What is going on, everybody? Good morning, good morning. This is your host, Kendall Calloway, and the Calloway Sports Podcast is back. I want to thank y'all for being so patient with me. I know it's been a long time coming, three, four, maybe even five months since I had the last episode, and uh, I just want to apologize to the listeners and the supporters of this podcast for that. Um, it's just been a lack of drive, a lack of, you know, desire to record these podcasts, um, but today, that ends. I'm putting my big boy pants back on. I'm pulling myself up by my bootstraps. The fire is back burning to give you guys these great, great quality podcasts, and uh, man, we're going to get it going, man. Uh, also, uh, I have been brainstorming. My wheels have been turning on, you know, something new, something fresh, and I want to start it up uh, sometime soon. I don't have a specific timeline on that, but I want to get into doing more video podcasts. You look at these podcasts that's out right now that are thriving. Shout out to those podcasts. Uh, I Am Athlete, Pivot. Uh, you got All The Smoke. You got the Draymond Green Show. JJ Reddick just dropped his. You got No Chill Gil. Gil Arenas with his podcast over on FUBU Sports and many, many more. So shout out to those podcasts, man. You know, I want to get into, you know, doing more of those. Um, I have guests that I have in mind. I have guests that I want to use and that platform will give not only me, but more people to, you know, give their thoughts and give their um, opinions and, you know, all those great, great, great hot takes that people really just, you know, enjoy. So stay on the lookout for that, man. Stay on the lookout for that. Uh, Shout out to uh, everybody who's just even still been listening. Uh, the views have still been going up. You know, I check in and the views have still been going up. So everybody, you know, whoever, wherever, wherever y'all are listening to, I thank y'all. I thank y'all for continuing to putting my views up. I think the last episode that I had was like a recap of 2021. And those views are still going up. Those views are still going up. So thank y'all for that, man. But we got a good one lined up today you know what i'm saying something quick something good as usual the nba segment we got a ufc segment it was a great call last night and we'll get into that boxing segment and uh no nfl just yet you know i know these guys are getting into training camp otas and other type of thing i know i missed out on a lot i mean i missed out on a lot but there's no need to go back we're gonna go forward we're gonna look forward and we'll get into it as usual we're gonna let this instrumental run public enemy shut them down jump into this NBA segment, man, and uh, on the top of my list right now is the topic that has been buzzing around for a long time, and that is the fact that uh, KD and Kyrie won out. They won out of uh, Brooklyn after not even, you know, two full seasons, I don't believe, of, you know, playing alongside each other, and I think that takes a lot of people by surprise in a way that, you know, we expected more, you know. We expected more from the duo. Of course, uh, things didn't work out for him. James Harden came over, and James Harden ended up leaving. Uh, they ended up getting Ben Simmons, and, and we figured that, you know, we're going to be getting something new, something fresh. Ben Simmons ended up not being able to play uh, either. So I think it's, uh, I think it's in a way, surprising, but not surprising, just due to the fact that, um, and this is not a shot or a dig at KD. I like KD. But when things don't go his way, uh, he, you know what I'm saying, I feel like he has to up the, you know what I'm saying, he has to up the scales. And and honestly, it showed in his time at OKC when they blew a 3-1 lead against the Warriors that year, and then he ended up uh, going back to join them. And now um, things didn't work out in Brooklyn and now he's 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 asking you know he's trying to force his way to Phoenix or force his way to Miami and you know Brooklyn being a 
organization that they are, Sean Marks being a GM that he is, he knows the caliber of player that Kevin Durant is, so he's not just going to take anything, you know what I'm saying, for him. You know, he's not accepting any deal that does not include Devin Booker, you know. So, um, smart move on him, you know, smart move on him. So, it's up to KD to, you know, it's, it's – and the same thing with him trying to force his way to Miami. He's saying that he doesn't want to be sent there if he's not playing alongside Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. Well, you have to understand that, you know, you – you are you are who you are. You know you are Kevin Durant. You are one. Of, you know what I'm saying one of the one of, one of if not the most gifted scores that this game has ever seen. And we know as fans, and I'm pretty sure as you know guys around the league, they know what you're capable of and what you're truly worth. So it's you know what I'm saying it's a business number one. And and Kevin knows that. And and, and Kevin knows what has to be, you know, trades are more of a push and pull type of thing, you know, push and pull and then it's push and pull, give and take. You have to, you have to really just weigh your options, you know what I'm saying? Do all these type of things. And it's going to be, it's going to be a little difficult for Katie to get to a team that he wants just off of the fact that he just signed a big extension and teams, you know what I'm saying? Teams are going to be looking to get you, but on top of that, man, they have to give up a lot. You know, they have to give up a lot to uh, to really get you to join their team. So, Sean Marks is not taking anything, you know, less. Uh, you look at what Rudy Gobert just went for, and we're going to talk about that later on. Also, I think he went for about three, maybe four first-round picks, you know, and, and, and a talented group of players that – were shipped off to Utah, but uh, a team that you have to look forward to—not uh, look forward to, excuse me—look out for. They—they've um, been saying that they have all the right pieces to get KD over to their team. It's the Toronto Raptors, and I believe they do. You know, they—they they got players like OG Ananobi, Gary Trent Jr. Uh, they have some talented players to offer to um, Brooklyn to see if they can get. You know. Katie there. So uh, that's something that we have to wait and see. You know what I'm saying? Continue to look out for that. Also, uh, Toronto may be a uh, um, sneaky team to get in there and uh, put in there, punch in a ticket for the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. As for Kyrie Irving, we all know Kyrie wants to go to only one team. He wants to go to the LA Lakers. He wants to team back up with um, LeBron. And I think that's one that can happen. And it really. Me personally, you know, uh, I'm on the outside looking in, so I really don't know. But it doesn't seem like that trade would be too hard to um, make happen. Just due to the fact that, uh, do I believe that it can be made between just the Lakers and Brooklyn? No, because Brooklyn ha have, has already expressed that they're not interested in Russell Westbrook. Um, but it's a team out there that is. And it goes, you know what I'm saying? The Charlotte Hornets are interested in Russell Westbrook. They have been interested in Russell Westbrook since the trade deadline earlier this year. So if you can if you can work a three team trade thing type you know deal out with Charlotte and Brooklyn, where uh, Russ goes to Charlotte because Mike obviously wants him, Kyrie goes to L.A. and then you know you ship off whoever you need to ship off you know to make Brooklyn comfortable with the deal. You know, you got your Gordon Haywards over there in Charlotte. You got your Terry Rozier's over there in uh, Charlotte. Um, I'm pretty sure Charlotte has draft picks also. So that's something that can work out. Also, Indiana, you know, you can you can ship a Miles Turner over to uh, Brooklyn and maybe a Buddy Hill. I know Lakers are interested in Buddy Hill. Me personally, if you can get a Seth Curry over Buddy Hill, I'll take a Seth Curry. Uh, personally, me, me personally, or even a Joe Harris over Buddy Hill. I'm not very sold on Buddy Hill, and I never have been. But you got to get your teams out there that's that's interested in this three-team deal, and I think those are the two teams that will be uh, for sure. But still early, you know, things may change, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what these uh, teams come up with, you know, as far as trying to move their star players. Once again, 
Kevin Durant wants out, and so does Kyrie Irving. Brooklyn, what do you do next? You know, do you build around Ben Simmons? Do you get another star there? You know, we just have to wait and see, man. Uh, next up on the list, man, like I said, Rudy Gobert was traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, partnering him up with Carl Anthony Towns, who just signed a big extension also, and Anthony Edwards. So the way I see this, um, it's not a bad move for either team. Um, I think it, it, it brings down Utah. You know, Utah has, has pretty much been a consistent top three, top four team of the last two, maybe three years. And in large part due to the duo of Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert. So now I know that they're interested in just building around Donovan Mitchell, you know, getting the right pieces around him. So we'll see how that goes. But as far as Minnesota, you get you get two bigs, and I believe that it can, but it, you know what I'm saying, it can work out for them, but then also it can backfire because we're in we're in a time where in the NBA it's positionless basketball. Uh we've been seeing this trend, you know, more and more over the last four, maybe five years, if if you've really been paying attention to NBA basketball. You know, when you're seeing guys like a Draymond Green and Golden State playing the five at times when he's six, 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 seven. We've seen in Houston at times when PJ Tuck was there, he was playing the five. Um the traditional two big man front court has really died down, you know, because teams are getting faster uh, and things of that nature, and you're getting more versatile players that's playing the four and five spot, you know. You see guys like Paolo Bancaro, who the Magic just drafted at number one. He's a four. 6'10", 250, but he does not move like a normal power four, you know. he's he's He moves like he's a small four, you know, so in this era of positionless, you know, positionless basketball, how can that benefit um, Minnesota this offseason, this upcoming season, excuse me? We'll have to wait and see. But me personally, it's not a bad move, but it's not the best move that they could have made, you know. But um, getting Rudy over there definitely gives them much better rim protection. You get a defensive, you know, anchor there. And um, it clearly makes them a better team in the front court defensively. But now you lose – you know, guys like Pat Bev, you, you know, you lose guys like Malik Beasley and I believe Jared Vanderbilt. You know, these are guys that, you know, were key in, you know, making a play in and getting to the playoffs. Uh, so now I feel like they lack depth. And uh, I tell a lot of people, I tell my brothers all the time that in this league right now, although this is the time where guys are partnering up and, 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 you know, we're seeing duos and, you know, trios of players, you know, big threes, all that type of thing. You still got to have depth, you know what I'm saying? You still, still got to have depth. And uh, Golden State just showed uh, why it is very important to have depth. Uh, they drafted Steph Curry. They drafted Klay Thompson. They drafted Draymond Green. They got Wig in a signing trade. They drafted Jordan Poole. Um, Gary Payton II has been around in their organization from the you know the G League on up for a long time, but they have a lot of depth. And look at the moves that Boston just made to improve their depth and potentially, you know, make a push to get back to the uh, finals. Danilo Gallinari, then you trade for Malcolm Brogdon. You didn't really give up too much for Brogdon either, you know. And they had some good players come off the bench, which uh. Derek White, your Al Horford, you know what I'm saying, Grant Williams, uh, Peyton Pritchard. Now they're building depth over there to compete with these teams in the East. You know, like I said, immediately at the end of the finals, I don't know how, how soon Boston can get back with a healthy Eastern Conference, with a healthy Miami Heat team, with a healthy Milwaukee Bucks team, uh, and potentially at the time a healthy Brooklyn Nets team. But, you know, we'll see how Brooklyn plays out. Uh, but... At the same time, you know, uh, depth is really needed to make deep playoff runs and win championships um, for sure. Also, um, like I said, man, depth. The L.A. Clippers signed John Wall, and I feel like that's a big upgrade for them because now they get a true point guard to go alongside 
uh, Kawhi and PG. My only concern is with those three players is health. You know what I'm saying? These guys have to stay healthy. Um, Kawhi obviously missed this entire past season due to a torn ACL. We know PG missed some time. Uh, we know John Wall the year before last, before coming back to Houston, you know, John Wall missed a lot of time. So as long as these guys can stay healthy, they brought Nick Batum back. Uh, they signed uh, Big Z, Avisa Zubas back to a three-year, $33 million extension. Norman Powell is still there. Terrence Mann is still there. They have depth. And to me personally, the Clippers are the most dangerous team to stopping the Golden State Warriors from getting back to the NBA Finals. Not the Lakers, not the Phoenix Suns, not the Denver Nuggets, but the LA Clippers. I know we've seen the Clippers make some, you know, we've seen in the bubble, they fell apart and, you know, things of that nature. That's that's cool and all, but their they're team is still learning. Their team is still building. They have a great coach. So with them making that move, I feel like solidified them to me as potentially the best team in the Western Conference. But we all know that path goes through Golden State. Next on the list, man, just want to highlight some of the guys that got paid during this offseason. Just some, not all. We already talked about Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Bradley Beal, he ended up going back to Washington for the Supermax. I wish that he would have went somewhere else. You know, I, I wish he would have went elsewhere. You know, um, at this point in time, I feel like Bradley has spent enough time in Washington. And you've been paid. I feel like, you know, he... He couldn't get a Supermax anywhere else, but he could have got a Max, you know what I'm saying, somewhere. And I feel like it's time for him to, you know, possibly, you know what I'm saying, possibly get to a team that's going to really compete, make a deep playoff run, you know. I don't think Washington is a place for that right now unless they make a, you know, big trade to get him some help there. But Bradley Bill did get paid. Uh, Zach Levine going back to Chicago. I love it. I really didn't like, you know, the potential – Landing spots for him anywhere else. I feel like Chicago is where he needs, you know, where he needs to be. I feel like they need to run it back with a healthy Lonzo Ball. You get Alex Caruso back, and uh, I feel like that they will be perfectly, perfectly fine. Uh, also, man, uh, Jokic, Jokic, highest paid player in NBA history. I believe he got like two sixty four over six years. So, uh, rightfully so, two time MVP, uh, getting his bread. Denver's been a playoff team over the last three or four years, and he's been a centerpiece. You got to take her up your centerpiece. And also, Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson getting that bag from the New York Knicks. I love it for uh, Jalen Brunson. I love what he did um, in this playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Jalen Brunson's a guy. He's, uh, he's very, very he's very consistent with his play. You know, he's very, very consistent, and uh, he's always improving, you know. He's always improving, so him getting his money, I feel like he earned it. He definitely earned it, despite what some people think. He definitely earned that money, so shout-out to those guys. Shout-out to everybody that's getting paid. We're going to take this small break and move into our UFC segment. Come up next. Stay tuned. Let's get into this UFC segment, man. This one shouldn't take as long. Uh, I didn't think that I would be talking that much on the NBA segment, but, you know what I'm saying, good quality content as always, man. I can't wait for y'all to really, really see me, my brothers, my dad, my uncles, you know what I'm saying, plenty plenty of the guests that I have see us in this element of really just, you know, and I wouldn't even say debating, you know. Uh, I would say analyzing the game, analyzing the sport, whether it's football, basketball, boxing, you know what I'm saying? I want y'all to really see that, you know what I'm saying, from a video standpoint. So, man, y'all stay tuned and look out for that, man. I can't wait to, you know, really work work into setting it up and bringing that to y'all, man. Um, but let's get into this UFC segment, man. UFC 276 was last night. Very, very good card. We're just going to key in on, on the three most important bouts last night. And let's start with the main event. Israel Adesanya, the last bender. Izzy gets it done against the killer gorilla, Jared Kellenier, by unanimous decision. And uh, the way I seen the fight, uh, my brother asked me, he said, uh, how do I see it playing out? And it was two ways, you know what I'm saying? I I, I definitely feel like Kellenier had a shot um, just off the fact that, yes, he is a shorter guy. Izzy's going to have 
physical advantages over pretty much it, you know everybody he fights at middleweight. But the fact that the reach advantage wasn't as long or, 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 or wasn't too much for Cannonier to overcome, I feel like he could have a chance with um, really closing the distance and catching Izzy. But I also told him that, um, you know, I basically said that Cannonier has a shot to win. He has a power. He's a big guy, you know, coming down from heavyweight all the way down to middle, you know what I'm saying, all the way down to middleweight. He's got the power. He's got the power to shut your lights out. But the thing is, Izzy's physical abilities, him being 6'4 with an 80-inch reach, um, and his skill set, his IQ, the way he picks his shots, there's no wind-up uh, to his, his punches or his kicks. Um, Izzy's very, 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 very calculated, you know, so... Um, with his IQ and his skills, it's, it's, it's hard for a lot of guys to beat Izzy in, um, in that in that middleweight division, you know what I'm saying? So, we'll see, you know what I'm saying? We'll see. At this point, Izzy's kind of, he's kind of lapping the guys at middleweight. You know, uh, of course, uh, Sean Strickland and Alex Pereira fought last night. Pereira getting a W. We're going to get into that. But uh, for, you, for, for those of you who don't know, Alex Pereira was a guy who knocked out Izzy uh, I, I believe twice. I believe he beat Izzy twice in kickboxing years ago. So uh, him defeating Sean Strickland uh, in the first round by TKO last night, uh, I feel like definitely puts him in line for a title shot next because, excuse me, um, it's great storytelling. It's great storytelling. You know, Izzy wants Izzy wants his get back for that fight, and um, I don't blame him. Uh, that guy knocked him out, so. Um, of course, he would want that back, but Pereira has the skill set, I believe, to compete with Izzy. But uh, Izzy, being who he is, uh, is gonna make it a little bit, a little bit tough, I, I believe, for Pereira to kind of figure him out because Izzy has has become such a such a great fighter um, over the last few years that um, it's just Izzy's the type of guy. It's his, his skill set and. I see people on Twitter, you know, I see people on social media saying that, you know, he shouldn't he shouldn't be the main event and, you know, he's putting people to sleep, he has boring fights. Who does that sound like, you know? That's those are the same things they said about Floyd Mayweather in his prime. But when you're watching Easy Fight and, and, and you really understand the sport, you you really you really should take in what type of special fighter that we're watching. You know what I'm saying? Um because he is such a special athlete, such a smart fighter, such a sharp fighter. Uh, a lot of guys struggle hitting Izzy, and Izzy commands that type of respect when guys are watching him. You know, um, the counter-striking, the pinpoint accuracy, the way he defends the takedowns, um, him keeping you behind all of his strikes, that's what makes it so tough to fight Izzy. And it's not that his fights are boring. Guys really don't want to take those you know, risk on lunging in on Izzy. I mean, look at the first fight with Robert Whitaker when he won the title. You know what I'm saying? Um, he, he pretty much walked Rob into some big shots and knocked him out. Um, Derek Brunson, you know what I'm saying? To me, that was his coming out party back in 2018, I believe, the way he, you know what I'm saying, picked Brunson apart. Um, beautiful, you know what I'm saying? Beautiful. It was a massive, you know, it was a masterpiece. A lot of easy fights are masterpieces, and because... Of him, you know what I'm saying? Because of these fights kind of being one-sided, a lot of people will say it's boring. But Cannonier did put up a good fight. I like the fact that he was attacking the legs, attacking the body. Uh, in the first two rounds, I felt like he got away from it, and Izzy started to get confidence. I, uh, same thing with John Jones with Izzy, you know what I'm saying? And, and same thing with Izzy. I feel like guys should look into, you know what I'm saying, picking the shots a little bit better and attacking those legs, man. You got to attack those legs. Nothing against those guys, but they have... A, very very small legs, very small calves, and with the um, with the with, with 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 calf kicks becoming such a major part in MMA now, you gotta you gotta you gotta attack those calves. You got to, you know, what I'm saying. You look at what um, Jim Miller was one of the first guys to bring it in years back, years ago. Uh, also, Ben Henderson was a guy who will attack your calf, and now you're seeing guys like Dustin Poirier use it. Um, Josh Emmett, um, so many guys are using these calf kicks, 
because they're so, so, so effective. You know what I'm saying? Um, so that's just me. You know what I'm saying? That's just my take on it. You know what I'm saying? That I mean, that's how I would fight Izzy. You know what I'm saying? I would start from attacking the legs, you know what I'm saying, working my way in. But also, uh, to me, this was a performance of the night. Uh, Alexander Volkanovsky uh, defeated Max Holloway in their trilogy, and uh, he made it look easy. He made it look easy. Uh, the first two fights were close. I thought Max won the second fight, didn't go his way. Um, Volk, I feel like, had a little bit more of an edge in the first fight where they gave it to him, where he took the belt from Max. But this time, he left no doubt. No doubt whatsoever, he made it look, you know what I'm saying, he made it look easy. You know, Max looked flat. He looked all out of whack. Um, he just he just didn't look like Max Holloway's, you know. Um, but also, it it's a credit to Volkanovski. Um, it's a credit to, I would say, the improvement that he's made. And, and I said, going to this fight, I said, I think, it, I think it'll be a little bit harder for Max. Just out the fact that Max is a great fighter. But Max has never possessed that one-punch power or that power to keep guys at bay. You know, it's the volume that Max brings to the table with Volkanovski. Him getting more comfortable on his feet. Um, him being such a such a such a powerful fighter. You know, uh, he commands that type of respect. And now, you know, everything was pretty much, you know, everything was flowing last night for Volk. You know, he looked like the better striker. You know what I'm saying? He looked like. He looked like the better boxer, you know, over uh, Max last night. And, I mean, he picked him apart. He picked him apart. So, shout out to those guys getting the dubs last night. Uh, what's next for Volkanovski? I feel like it's time for him to, you know, pretty much move up to 55, go chase that double belt. You know what I'm saying? Um, because I, I don't really see anybody else for him to fight at 45 right now until some new challengers, you know, really kind of show themselves uh he's beating Chan Sung John he's 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 beaten Max three times he's beaten uh Brian Ortega um there's a few guys that that, that may need to solidify them as you know uh, the next title the next title contender you know what I'm saying your Josh Image your Calvin Cater's Yair Rodriguez you know we'll have to see you know I potentially will maybe love to see a second fight between him and Brian Ortega but but Ortega has to get through Yair um, at the end of this month. So we'll see. But once again, man, small break. We'll get into our last segment, which is the boxing segment. I think I'm going to take my time with that one, and we really go get into that. So come up next. All right, man, here we go. Last and final segment. Of the return of the Callaway Sports Podcast is our boxing segment. And y'all know how much I love the sport of boxing. I love sports all together, but I love my I love my combat sports, man. So uh let's get into it, man. Top of the list. And uh this one is kinda it's bothering me a bit. So uh in the last two or three weeks we ain't really had too much word on the Spence versus Crawford fight. And uh a lot of us fans are wondering why. And from my understanding, from what I've gathered, the information I've gathered, um, here's why. So first off, if you go back to about three weeks ago, uh, Fight Hype, um, a lot of the other boxing channels on YouTube posted that, you know, uh, the Spence Crawford fight is maybe one step away. You know, the deal was supposed to be, you know, closed out um, to end that week. Come to find out that uh, Floyd Mayweather, who still works within the Showtime and, you know, PBCs, is still very close with Al Heyman. And uh, he let them know that that is not true, you know. Uh, and please don't spread, you know, don't spread the news that this fight is close to being done. So a lot of people thought that, you know, Floyd was just talking, you know. But come to find out Floyd was actually being truthful. Uh, Spencer Crawford at the moment are still trying to figure out uh, the split, the purse split. I believe they, they, they've already, you know, Crawford is a free agent, so the fight will be, you know, broadcasted by Showtime. Uh, it'll be a Showtime pay-per-view. Uh, I believe most likely, uh, it is very highly likely that the fight will be in Vegas at the T-Mobile Arena. Uh, I know Earl wants the fight to be back in Dallas. 
but they also did agree a few years ago on mutual ground, you know, whether it was Vegas or New York. So right now the holdup is, I believe the purse split uh, between both fighters and uh, we know how that can go. So hopefully, you know, I know they was pushing for September, uh, Triple G and Canelo got that uh, spot in September that they wanted. So now, they, now I believe they're pushing for October. So I believe October is secure, but uh, for those guys, I believe that they have to get a deal done within the next two weeks to, you know, uh, use August and September for the buildup and still give these guys time to really, you know, uh, prepare for the fight. So if we don't get it early October, I'm, I'm, I'm predicting late October, maybe early November. And uh, let's just hope, you know what I'm saying, let's sit back and watch and hope that uh, they can get the deal done. I believe in my opinion that you know it should be you know a fair deal you know nobody should be lowballed uh at all you know what i'm saying nobody should be lowballed in this situation at all so let's hope that uh coming soon that we'll get a spence versus crawford confirmation that, that that fight will be going down so uh let's see but moving on man uh canelo and triple g the trilogy is set for september as well they've been uh doing their press conferences and their media obligations uh to build for uh to build for this fight so uh i'm not gonna get into my spence and crawford analysis just yet like i said i want to you know save that for my guests because uh i believe that's one of the biggest and best topics that we can all you know really just uh sit back and you know not debate but analyze on uh but canelo and triple g same thing, uh, I did want to say that for them, but, you know, I can do it myself, and then hopefully uh, we can all get together, talk about this. But my thoughts on this fight is, I understand that they uh, agreed on this before Canelo signed the fight. Dimitri Bevo, he ended up losing that fight, and I know that Canelo wanted to still deliver this fight to fans, knowing that, you know, he pretty much promised them that this will happen. But I'm not a fan of the Triple G versus Canelo uh, fight, and here's why: Triple G, if not, if he if he's not 40, he may be closing in on 40. Uh, the last time they fought was four years ago in 2018, and I feel like if they were gonna fight again, it should have been you know maybe 2019 after uh, Canelo fought Danny Jacobs. But I knew that the fight wasn't really gonna happen unless Triple G moved up to 68, and at that time he was not. Interesting moving up to 168. He felt like it was still some fights to be made at 160. Canelo had already um, put it out there that he didn't want to cut to 160 anymore. The main reason why he moved up to 168. But due to the fact that it's been four years since they've uh, fought, Canelo clearly has uh, gotten better uh, since since their last fight. Triple G has gotten older. Yes, he has won fights, but. I've not really been impressed with what I've seen from Triple G just due to the fact that, you know, Father Time, I believe, is closing in on him. Uh, he's still durable, but he's not as durable as he used to be. Uh, and I do feel like Canelo can uh, take advantage of that, you know, and, and, and really hurt Triple G. So, uh, not saying that Triple G can't win this fight because he can. He's still very, very skillful, uh, even at his age. And, and I do believe that it's still some things that Triple G uh, does that can give Canelo troubles. I just feel like Canelo at this point in his career uh, is just too good of a fighter for Triple G to stop. You know, um, I think defensively he's 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 much much better than what they uh, showcased in the well, what he showcased in the first two fights. Uh, and I do believe that he's coming in this fight with a lot more extra heat. You know, what I'm saying he come off a loss. Uh, to Demetri Bebo, so he definitely has something to prove, and he's already put out there that he does not like Gennady Golovkin. So I think he he's definitely coming into this fight with uh with 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 bad intentions, you know. Uh, definitely, definitely feel that way. So we will see, but uh, I'm definitely picking definitely picking uh Canelo to win that fight. Uh, next on the list, man, will we get Tank versus Devin towards the end of this year or early 2023? We'll see. It's been a lot of chirp and uh, chatter back and forth with these guys uh, since before their last uh, fight, uh, leading up into uh, Tank's fight with uh, 
Roley Romero, uh, Tank had already put out there that, hey, you know what I'm saying, uh, Devin had some things to say about uh, Tank, about him and uh, his deal with Mayweather Promotions and basically saying that Tank is not willing to make the big fights happen, so he might as well sign back. Uh, Tank already put out there, you know, as long as you do what you got to do, you know what I'm saying, I want you next. So uh, Tank did what he had to do against Roller, knocked him out in the sixth round. Uh, and then Devin did what he had to do to go over to Australia and take those belts from George Cambosis and what was a master class type of performance put on by him. So uh, that leads us to will we get the fight? I hope we do. I believe that that is the biggest fight out of the, out of the 135ers uh, because Tank is a WBA regular champion. Uh, Devin is the undisputed champion. Um, and... It just, you know what I'm saying, it it, it, it brings a lot to um, offer, you know what I'm saying. That fight definitely brings a lot to offer, uh, just due to the fact that um, Devin is a big lightweight. That's what people don't realize. Devin's a big lightweight, 5'8", uh, uh, long range, he got a great jab, uh, keeps, you know what I'm saying, like everything works behind his jab, you know what I'm saying. Devin does a good job of, once he gets comfortable and he catches your rhythm, he catches your time, and he's good at controlling you and making you fight his fight. But we all know what Tank brings to the table. And I think what Tank has been trying to show uh, show people and prove to people the last three, four years is that I'm just not a power puncher. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm just not this brute of a lightweight. Um, I have skills, and I have a lot of them. And I think Tank has shown that. I think it's been a lot of growth from Tank since his fight with Yuri Okis Gamboa, the Leo Santa Cruz fight, the... Mario Barrios fight, the Isak Cruz fight, even the Roller Romero fight. We've just, you know what I'm saying, we've seen so much patience and 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 you know great timing from, from Tank. Uh, I love what I see from Tank. Um and I do personally believe that he's the best lightweight. I don't really see too many people beating uh Tank at 135, not Ryan Garcia, not George Cambosis. I think uh the best that you can get right now is Devin Haney due to his physical attributes. Uh, physical stature and his ability to box, but I do still favor Tank in that fight because uh, I do uh, I do feel Tank is just as good as just as good as a boxer as Devin. I, you know I may give Devin the slight edge, but uh, Tank does have that great equalizer, which is his power. And you know once Tank you know once Tank catches your rhythm, he catches your time, and once he start you know to make contact. Uh, you're in trouble then, you know, I do believe that Tank falls into that category of being one of the, you know, one of the best finishers in boxing, you know, so, like I said, interesting fight, I hope that we get that fight, um, and hopefully, you know, by the time we get that fight, Shakur Stevenson will have moved up to 135, I would love to see him in that mix, uh, Shakur is, is, is definitely one of the best out there in my opinion and I think him mixing it up with those guys that is a challenge that Shakur needs to even up his game you know Shakur is already at a very very high level that's what people don't realize uh but him going up to 35 fighting these you know great great talented fighters I mean I think that's when we'll see the best of Shakur Stevenson but on to next and which would be my last uh last part of this Last part of this boxing segment is my pound-for-pound pound rankings. I've been seeing these pound-for-pound pound rankings going on uh, with the last few fights uh, over the last few months. It's been, you know, great, great, great few months of boxing. But I do not agree with a lot of these pound-for-pound pound rankings at all, especially from ESPN, who has a very, very biased uh, ranking. And, 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 and to be quite honest, it's a very stupid ranking. I I absolutely hate their ranking. I mean, ESPN ranking absolutely sucks. And here's why. Um, I don't agree with the Ring Magazine rankings. I just don't I just don't believe that they're being fair with their judgment. And which, I understand, you know, you're going to push and, you know, look out for your top-ranking ESPN guys. And, you know, I, I do believe that they're close with their zone buddies as well. And I, I do feel like they kind of try and shut out the uh, PBC and Showtime guys who are over there. But here's my pound for pound rankings. Due to his loss against Dimitri Bivo, I, I did drop Canelo a spot. I didn't drop Canelo two or three spots because that didn't make sense. Canelo is still an undisputed champion in 168. Uh, he moved up to 175, took a big risk. 
I don't believe that that counts against him as much. So I just swapped him out with Terrence Crawford. I believe Terrence Crawford right now is pound for pound best in the world. Um, WBO champion. And a lot of people, you know, disagree with me because of the fact that, you know, the the narrative surrounded by uh, Terrence Crawford is he doesn't fight anybody and all these things. So let's get away from that. Let's get away from what people talk about on Twitter and, you know, how that grows and that's thrown around. Let's actually be honest about Terrence Crawford. Uh, Terrence Crawford is a great talent. Terrence Crawford is one of the best out there skillfully, uh, can fight out of both stances. Um, very, very smart, very sharp. And Terrence Crawford is riding with a 10-11 fight knockout streak. Here's why Terrence Crawford is my pound pound number. Number one, also, what people ask the question, who has he beaten? You have to know boxing and really understand and, and, and be in tune with the sport uh, to know who Terrence Crawford has beaten. One of his first world title wins, I believe he uh, defeated Brutus Prescott back in 2012. Uh, that was a big fight for Terrence Crawford. Uh, defeating Brutus Prescott. His complete reign during the end days of HBO defeating De'Ara Jean and Thomas DeLorme, uh, Victor Postal, who, you know, a lot of guys were, uh, a lot of guys were avoiding Victor Postal around that time Terrence Crawford stepped to him and let's fight. Terrence Crawford also became undisputed at lightweight during that time, um, defeating, what's the guy's name? Don't use that against me. Uh, my mind just went blank. But uh, Julius and Dungo. Julius and Dungo. A lot of people didn't want to fight Julius and Dungo. He was the last on the list uh, for Bud to fight. And he stopped him with a body shot in, in, I believe, round two. And became the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. Uh, he had already let everybody know that he was going to move up to 147 at that time. And he was asking for the fights with the Danny Garcias and the Keith Thurmans, who were the champions at the time. And they all told Terrence Crawford, you know, you don't jump in this division and get a title shot, you know, from us. Get a belt, and then we talk. So Terrence Crawford did exactly that. He defeated Jeff Horn, who was a WBO champion at that time. Made easy work of him, and uh, immediately started to call for those fights again. We all know that they didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? That those fights didn't happen. Um, do we hold that against Terrence Crawford in a way? Because he could have got away from Bob Arum back in 2018. And then, you know, took the route that Canelo's taking now or even just signed with PBC to make these fights happen. Uh, but we all know that that didn't happen. But ever since then, uh, he's defeated Kel Brook, Amir Khan, Jose Benavidez Jr. He's defeated Sean Porter. You know, he's got um, a pretty good resume due to the fact that he... He hasn't been able to get the best names, you know, but he's put on some good performances. He has some good fights. Uh, the Mean Machine fight against Kavalaskis was a very good fight. And now I believe we're moving into this time where we can get those Terrence Crawford versus Errol Spence fights uh, and potentially Terrence Crawford versus Keith Thurman fight. Uh, so we'll see. But Terrence Crawford is my pound for pound number one. Next on the list, I have Canelo Alvarez. Not too much needs to be said about Canelo. We know why he's number two pound for pound. With the little, you know what I'm saying, speed bump, you know what I'm saying, the little bump in the road that he had with Demetri Bivol doesn't change the fact that Canelo has been a champion uh, from 47 to 54 to 60 to 68 and also 75. I may be wrong on 47. I, I, I don't believe he was a champion of 47. But 54, 60, 68, and 75 for sure. He's uh, undisputed. Canelo is a cash cow in boxing, so he deserves that spot. Next on my list is, of course, Earl Spence Jr., uh, coming back from what he, you know, has went through, still still able to be dominant even after all of that with his uh, performance against Ugas, taking the WBA title, uh, his performance against Sean Porter getting, you know, getting the WBC title. Earl Spence is, is, is that guy, you know, definitely at 147, you know what I'm saying? He commands that respect from everybody uh, in the boxing community, you know, so... Earl Spence is number three pound for pound. You look at his resume from the fact that uh, he took out uh, Chris Algieri on route to uh, him getting the title shot against Kale Brook. After Chris Algieri, he took out Leonard Bundu. Bundu was known for the tough fight that he gave Keith Thurman. He finished Bundu, made easy work of him, went on to fight Kale Brook in his home country of Sheffield, England, and went over there and did not win the belt. He took the belt 
from Kell Brook, and uh, he had a great performance against LeBron Peterson. He had a great performance against uh, Carlos Ocampo, ended him in the first round. Uh, the Mikey Garcia fight, watched him, went on to fight Sean Porter, and what was a great, great, great fight, took the WBC from him. We all know what happened after that. He had the car accident that took him out of action, but then he came back and dominated Danny Garcia. So, uh, and then in April, he dominated Ugas uh, coming off of the eye injury. And, I mean, he looked better than ever. You know what I'm saying? He looked like the he looked like the old Earl Spence. But still, you know what I'm saying, better than that version of Spence, you know. So, that's why Spence is number three. I know a lot of people are big on um, um, the Japanese guy. In no way. He's number four pound for pound. I don't know too much about him because of the fact that he is a lighter guy. So a lot of people are not familiar with who he fights. Um, I'm familiar with a few of the guys that he fight. You know what I'm saying? That, that he is facing. He's looked phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? I won't. I, I won't take that away from him. But it's just the fact that I'm not very very impressed because it's not. I, I don't believe he has that high level of competition. I feel like he's just. Levels of hell, you know, everybody he's faced, you know, even with his last fight, uh, stopping Nonito Denaire. Nonito Denaire is a lot, you know, he's a lot older. Yes, he still is very, you know, what I'm saying he's still very skillful, he still can compete with some of the best. I just feel like in no way can you know get some better competition than an older, you know, Nonito Denaire. But next on my list is Alexander Usyk, who holds the WBA, the WBA, WBO, and the IBF. Heavyweight titles taking those from Joshua back in 2021. He's, of course, top on the list. He was uh, undisputed at cruiserweight, so it makes sense that uh, Usyk would be top five. Uh, I struggled with you know him and Anoe. I really can switch them out, and I believe that I am. Now that I'm looking at my list. I believe I put Usyk number four and Noe number five. And then next on my list uh, is Jamel Charlo, undisputed at 154. Um, he bounced back from a loss in, from um, 2018 against Tony Harrison. Stopped Tony Harrison. Uh, went on to fight uh, Jason Rosario for, um, I believe it was, what, two belts? Because Jermaine was already the WBC. He took the WBA and the IBF, I believe, uh, from Jason Rosario. And what was a masterful, masterclass type of um, performance from him. And then he went on to fight Brian Castaño twice. The first fight was a draw. Uh, he got him out there in the second, and now he's the undisputed champion of 154. Put some respect on Jamel Charlo's name. He should be in everybody's pound-for-pound ranking, and that's why I said the ESPN rankings absolutely suck because he was not on their list. Uh, next on the list is Devin Haney. Devin Haney, same thing. He's undisputed now. Uh, he's got he's got some good names on his resume. He's been dominant. Uh, he's, got, uh, he's got Jorge Linares. He's got, you know... A lot of people give me, you know, crap about, you know, putting Uriokas Gamboa and, uh, on uh, guys like Devin's uh, resume or Tank's resume. But still, you know, Gamboa is a very, very crafty veteran. Uh, of course, he's not the same fighter as that he used to be. Uh, but still, you know, he, he's still the type of guy who, you know, was giving guys trouble at the time when he fought Haney and uh, Davis. But um, him him defeating Jojo Diaz and now George Cambosa becoming undisputed. You cannot take that away from Devin Haney. Uh, next on the list is, uh, of course, Tank Davis, uh, champion over three divisions. Um, Tank is clearly on the pound for pound list to me. I believe Tank is um, outside of um, Canelo is one of the most highly, highly. Um, what's why I want to put this? Tank is not just a pay per view star. You know, I, I really feel like everybody wants to see Tank fight. You know, Tank has that type of star power, you know, about him. You know, to be honest, I, I believe Tank's star power is even bigger than, you know, Earl Spence's star power as far as the PPC guys. I do believe that uh, Tank is um, the biggest pay-per-view star on the PPC Showtime um, roster. But Tank, with his wins over Mario Barrios at 140, taking his belt, uh, recently knocking out Rolly Romero. Gamboa, Jose Pedraza, his first title win, Leo Santa Cruz, 
Um, Tank has a resume, and, and, and he's doing it at a very high level. He's stopping guys. Um, what, Tank, 27 notes with 25 knockouts. Got to put Tank in there. Next on my list is Shakur Steepson. He won a belt at 126. A lot of people say, oh, well, he didn't win it. It was a vacant belt. He won the belt at 126, came up to 130. Dominated, dominated Jamil Heron and dominated Oscar Valdez, becoming a unified champion at 130. Shakur Stevenson is on my pound for pound list as well. And last on the list, um, I'm putting cool boy Steph, Stephen Fulton. A lot of people may not know who Stephen Fulton is, but skillfully, he's one of the best out there. He also is a unified champ. Um, and I don't think he gets the respect that he really, really, really deserves. I know some people may be asking, where's Tyson Fear? Well, Tyson Fear said that he retired. So Tyson Fear is not on my pound for pound list. Um, but definitely, cool boy Steph, he's a champion. Uh, he's a unified champion at that. Great, 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 great fighter. And uh, I do believe that he deserves a spot on somebody's pound-for-pound rank. It don't matter where you put him as long as he's on there. So, same thing with Shakur Stevenson, Devin Haney, Tank Davis, you know what I'm saying? Jamel Charlo outside of, you know, the norm and, you know, pretty much the top five guys. Uh, your Crawfords, your Canelos, your Spence, uh, and your um, Usyk's. But, man, that is it. That is it from this episode of Callaway Sports Podcast, man. I thank y'all for tuning in with me, man. Um, so, so, so happy to be back. So happy to be back. And um, as usual, spread the news, spread the word, share, you know what I'm saying, share this podcast to whomever, whoever's interested, let them know that we're back up and running. And in the words of Draymond Green, this is the new media where we don't debate we don't debate sports. We analyze sports and, and we give our hot takes on it and our opinions on it. But we don't debate sports over here. We analyze sports. Shout out to everybody who's a fan and uh, a listener of the Callaway Sports Podcast. Man, I thank y'all so very much. God bless y'all. And um, we'll be back very, very soon. Um, hopefully with hopefully with um, some new video podcast, man. You never know. But... Stay tuned, man. The best is yet to come. 2022, we end with a banger. 2023 will be even greater. Shout out to all my brothers, man, who I am. I will be contacting y'all very, very soon because I need y'all, man. I need I need y'all from uh, Shy to JD, Kel, Marco, Cam, uh, Isaiah, Big Row, Dre, Magic TTP, my boy Troy Osborne, of course, my father, my papa, my uncles, my uncle Junebug, my uncle Tony, man, I'm going to need y'all for sure, man, because we're going to get this up and running. We're going to let them know that Callaway Sports, we the future, man, and we taking over. Thank y'all.